Ghosts of Christmas Presents, a seasonal story, written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington. Chapter 5 In the gathering gloom of a forbidding winter's night, there stands a cottage. It is small, but it is cheerful. The thatched roof hangs low over the door, but there are roses up the wall, a flowered garden behind the gate, and from under the eaves glow two windows, ruddy with firelight and welcoming. And all this is three inches high, made from china, and sits at the far end of Mr. Benedict Nail's mantelpiece. But Mr. Benedict Nail himself, shrunken down to barely an inch high and now pursued across his own mantelpiece by a crowd of querulous souvenirs, it looks just as inviting as the real thing, and he races towards it. Even in his inexplicably diminished state, he still ought to be too big for the cottage, but he finds, as he vaults the solid china gate, that somehow he is just the right size to race up the slippery china path to the glossy china door and hammer on it in desperation. And it opens! A little china man, in Victorian dress, a short coat and a tall hat, opens it, revealing behind him a gleaming china room full of flickering firelight. "'What's this? What's this?' he says, holding the door open just far enough to look out. "'What's all this to do at our door?' "'Please,' says Benedict Nail, out of breath and out of words. "'Please help me.' "'Who is it?' says another voice from inside. "'This is what I'm trying to ascertain.' says the man. Who is it? Please, says Benedict. They're chasing me. They're chasing you, says the man. There's two reasons people get chased. Because they've done something bad, or the people chasing them have done something bad. And neither of those things is good. I haven't done anything, says Benedict. He ran away, says the other voice. If they're chasing him, he ran away. That's something been done. "'Stands to reason.' "'Why'd you run away?' says the man. "'They were asking questions, and I, I don't understand any of it,' says Benedict, "'coming to the end of his ability to deal with it at all. "'I don't know why I'm here. I, I don't know what's going on. "'I don't know why they're chasing me. Please help me.' "'He's new,' says the other voice, and... "'You're new,' says the man. "'Why didn't you say so?' "'He just did,' says the other voice. Let him in. Come in, dear fellow. Come in, says the man, flinging the door wide. Quick now, they're chasing you. Benedict stumbles through and the man slams the door tight shut behind them. Inside there are two glazed armchairs and a table with a shining red cloth and a delicate china fireplace with a real fire burning in it. And sat in one of the armchairs, glinting in the firelight, is a tiny china woman in a voluminous violet Victorian dress. Tell him to sit down, says the woman. He looks like he needs it. Sit down, poor fellow, sit down, says the man, failing to plump a china pillow with his clacking china hands. Not knowing what else to do, Benedict lowers himself onto the chair, expecting to slide straight off the porcelain upholstery onto the floor, but instead he finds, much to his surprise, that the pillows become soft beneath him, and he sinks gratefully into their softness. Look at him says the woman. Quite done in. Fetch him some tea there, Bobs. Takes it out of you, says the man, picking a kettle off the fire and filling a cup. Dying and being chased. We're in business. 
It takes a moment for Benedict to realise what the man has just said. I I'm sorry, what did you say? Takes it out of you, I said, says the man, handing him the cup. Here's a spot of what does you good. Puts the colour back in your cheeks. The pauses that refreshes, says the woman solemnly, relishing the words, but does not inebriate. No, I mean, what did you say takes it out of you, says Benedict, unwilling to take the cup until he can be sure his hands have stopped shaking. Being chased, says the man, and being dead, says the woman. That's the one, says Benedict, gripping the arms of the chair in an effort to keep himself in it. That one, that... What do you mean, being dead? Dead, says the man. Why else would you be being chased if you weren't dead? He means, says the lady, watching Benedict carefully from under the brim of her china bonnet, that he doesn't know. Doesn't know? The man takes a step back, aghast. My poor fellow, I have put my foot in it, haven't I? Doesn't know. Put some sugar in that tea, Bobs, says the woman. He's going to need it. Hot sweet tea, says the man, dropping cube after cube of clinking china sugar into the cup. Just the thing for a shock. What? Because it is all Benedict can think about right now. What do you mean being dead? Well, we're all dead, aren't we? Says the man, returning with the tea. That's how come we're here, aren't we? On account of being dead. Ghosts, says the woman. Explain to him properly, Bob's. We're ghosts. Ghosts? says Benedict, still not taking the proffered tea. Of course, says the man cheerfully. I wasn't born China, was I? Born flesh and blood I was. Man and boy, hale and hearty. Until I wasn't. You're... you're a ghost? says Benedict, trying to keep up. Put it plainly, Bobs, says the woman. You do so beat about the bush. Put it to him plainly. We are ghosts and we are haunting this little house. Poor fellow, now I'm chasing you about, aren't I, in a manner of speaking, says the man, patting Benedict on the knee with his free hand. Don't you worry, it's all quite normal. Everyone dies, you know, in the end, and all of them as confused and worried about it as you are. I know I was, wandered about for an awful long time trying to understand it all, up and down Oxton Market on the moonless nights, wringing my hands. I was trapped on the stairs, says the woman. Just climbing and descending. Decades, that was. Tell him. Years and years. Years and years, says the man, nodding solemnly. Worrisome business it is, being a ghost. Wandering about, mind and spirit. You have to find somewhere to haunt, says the woman. That's the thing. Explain it to him, Bobs. That's the thing, says the man. Somewhere to haunt. She was on those stairs till they tore the house down. And then it was a scullery, wasn't it? And then they tore that down. And then they built these buildings, says the woman. And that's where I came in, says the man. In a book. In a book, says Benedict, thoroughly confused by it all. Plenty of room in a book, says the man, clapping his chiming hands together. Whole world's in a book. But this is cosy, isn't it, Mum? The two of them look around the glowing inside of the china house with quiet satisfaction. Lovely and cosy, says the woman. Our little house. We aren't married, says the man hurriedly. But I told her, I says, we are dead and gone. No one's going to worry about the niceties about two old ghosts, are they? United in death, says the little woman happily. 
I am sorry, says Benedict. I am not sure I understand properly. You're dead. You're dead and ghosts. You're ghosts and you're haunting my mantelpiece. Not just us, says the man. Lots of us, all haunting your mantelpiece, including you. Dead and haunting yourself. Here, let me freshen that tea for you. You have been listening to The Ghosts of Christmas Presents, written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Mellington. The music is The Path of the Goblin King by Kevin MacLeod of filmmusic.io and our illustrations are by Jamie Lenman. You can find more of our stories at christmasstories.co.uk or wherever you found this podcast and we'd be grateful if you could rate and review us while you're there as well. If you're feeling really generous, we now have a Patreon at patreon.com slash christmasstories where a subscription will get you versions of this story without all these annoying credits and lots of other exclusive material. But all we really want you to do is to listen to the next instalment of The Ghosts of Christmas Presents.